Oh boy. It's Animation Celery again. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. Matsy making money, see? Micah get the honeys, G. <laughs> Driving in my car, living like a star. Ice on my fingers and my toes, and I'm a Taurus. Oh, oh, check it. Yeah, I'm Matsy. Oh boy, and I'm Micah. This episode of Animation Celery is brought to you by Gebel's Goo. It's not just <laughs> goo, it's good. So, you guys are in for a treat today. Not oh only, not, not only are we reviewing a great cartoon. Usually, you know, we give each other individual assignments on Animation Celery. But every once in a while, we pick a series together and we, we agree to watch a fair-sized chunk of it. This time, we're going to be looking at the French action-adventure cartoon, Spartacus and the Sun Beneath the Sea. But there's a wrinkle to that. Huh. We did not watch, or at least I did not watch all the episodes I should have. So the, yeah, yeah. the, the internet is kind of unclear about exactly what the episode order of this show is. And so Micah and I both had different ideas, it turned out, or different research, I should say, of what the first four episodes actually were. So as a result, we're kind of going to talk about the first five, which is good. More Spartacus is good, right? Uh. <laughs> it's going to be a, a little funky, a little clumsy, but uh, what is the saying about uh, uh, genius is born from limitation? Something like that. Sure. Yeah. Sweet fruits yeah. or something. It can mix enough metaphors. Or um, the other thing could be that, you know, disasters on the Internet get hits. Oh, there you go. <laughs> well, <laughs> usually it's our first part that's free form. Uh, maybe it'll be the more organized section of this episode, but let's get to it, Matsy. What do you want to talk about? Okay, so a uh, third part of my trilogy of things that I watched that were increasingly good. Yes. I did the best one, which was Centaur World, mm. and then the one that was not quite as good, but better than the first thing, which was Jellystone. Mm -hmm. And now we have the first thing, which is not as good as the other two, but still pretty decent. And this might be a bit of a surprise. Uh, I caught up on all the current episodes of Rick and Morty. Oh, okay. And I've been a little critical of Rick and Morty in the past. Mostly I've been critical of Justin Roiland's voice acting. Yeah. Um, for, for these two seasons, seasons four and five, it seems like I've always said he needs a director to calm him down and stop him from stammering <laughs> and rick doing these fake unfunny burps in everything he says yeah and for these seasons it seems like that's actually happened hey. because i didn't really notice his stammering or his burping much at all i was able to kind of breeze through both seasons i mean season five isn't done yet but i've caught up on it and i i was really surprised at how little i noticed justin roiland's annoying voice acting quirks okay so it and seems like somebody's finally calmed him down which i appreciate was, that was what was getting in the way otherwise not a bad show mm. yeah well i mean it's it's not a bad show there are mm. other there are little visual quirks like i don't like his default whenever somebody is shocked expression their lips kind of turn into this downward pointing tube yeah it, i know what you mean it's it's ridiculous mm -hmm. um i still think it's a little more crude than it needs to be but whatever a little more violent than it needs to be, but whatever. 
if I do have a complaint about these seasons, it's that it seems like it's gone less for an overall continuity between the episodes and more monster of the week. Okay. A little bit. There's still, there's still points that call back. Like there's still an overall plot involving, well, I shouldn't say that, but like there's callbacks to uh, previous plots involving Tammy and bird person. Uh, the, I think the thing that disappointed me the most was I said before that my favorite episode was in season three. I think it's called the Rick Lantis mix up, but it's mm-hmm. basically about the Citadel where there are various versions of Rick's and Morty's. And that episode left off in a very intriguing place of like, this has interesting ramifications to the future. And mm-hmm. that was not touched on at all all in either of these two seasons. And I was disappointed by that. I wanted to see, you know, it was my favorite episode and it left an interesting tale and I wanted to see where that led. And so far it hasn't. Huh. And so I was disappointed by that. But on the whole, I think the voice actors have finally gotten comfortable I'm a little worried that they might have already reached a kind of Simpsons horizon where all their best ideas are behind them. Right. Um, But there's I think Rick and Morty might actually be getting into a comfortable place. And I'm I'm looking forward to watching more episodes of it. It probably be a good idea for us who are doing a podcast about cartoons to talk about the cartoon that's one of like the most popular of the day. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. I think, I think it's a little unhealthy how people it's not quite my little pony friendship is magic level hysteria, Mm. but it is like, I recently watched a music video called cartoons and vodka by, I think it's jinx monsoon. And the, the point of the car, uh, the episode, it's an animated episode i mean Mm. the point of the music video is that she's going through various animated styles as she sings this song Mm -hmm. and like the second one was rick and morty okay and i'm i'm watching this like you've got rick and morty in here along with like um powerpuff girls at one point uh dexter's lab betty boop Mm. um and i'm i'm looking at this like there's no reference to the simpsons there's no reference to Ren and Stimpy, which I guess you can understand why they wouldn't want to touch Ren and Stimpy. Mm. Um, but I'm just thinking like all of these classic cartoons, eh, crunchy, yeah. that they they went with. And then all these other classic cartoons that they didn't go with, but they had to include Rick and Morty. Hmm. And I was like, mm, I don't know. I felt a little... I wasn't sure how I felt about that. I don't know that Rick and Morty is ready to be a classic thing. That's like the second parody in something like this before, you know, Popeye or whatever, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know when, when a series gets to four and five seasons, that's huge in cartoon times. You know what? You're not wrong. I mean, you think about how much Popeye there is really like if you were to watch every old Popeye cartoon, I mean, from end to end, it wouldn't mm. amount to that much, really. Probably not. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, you know, Star versus the Forces of Evil was four seasons. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying. I can never remember how many seasons She-Ra and the Princesses of Power was, whether it was four or five. Hmm. But uh, one of them, at least one of them was a short season, too. 
but but you're right. Like for a season for a show to go that long, you know, Futurama had to like rip and claw to get <laughs> what seasons it got. Yeah. Anyway, and my instinct hmm? is that Rick and Morty is probably funnier than Futurama. Um I don't know. I feel like Futurama is kind of it lives on better in memes than it actually was originally. Yeah. It's like I, I mentioned a while ago with King of the Hill where oh, like, definitely that one you know, certainly lives watch, on better in memes, <laughs> but like, you know, you watch like a two minute clip of yeah. Futurama and it's like, huh? Yeah. And then you go back and watch the whole episode and it's like, yeah, this is engaging, but I'm not like holding my sides the entire time. Yeah. It doesn't need to be that either, but actually I find um, Bender to be a little obnoxious. And he a similar way I find Rick to be kind of obnoxious. So the the longer Futurama went on, the more John DiMaggio kind of lost the Bender voice. Oh, I feel like I, I you know, I'm not saying, you know, that I've read some interview where he said that, but I could just watch as it, you know, as it went through its various hiatuses and cancelizations and <laughs> cancellations yeah. and reboots. Every yeah. time Bender would show up, he's he's trying to be more and more black in a way oh. that doesn't really sound right. Like, because in the first season, he sounds kind of grizzled almost. Yeah. And then he starts to turn into this urban cool dude. And it just, Bender just kind of loses it. That's DiMaggio's uh, basic mode. (laughs) I guess. Yeah. I like most things John DiMaggio does. I love him in Disenchantment. Oh, yeah? Who's playing that? uh, King Zog. Okay. Have you seen Disenchantment? Only a little bit. I don't know. Maybe I'm just... (laughs) I don't need Matt Groening series out the yin yang, I guess. I don't know. It, it left a bad taste in my mouth with the first episode. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I watched that first one and went, Ooh, I don't know about this one. Mm. But then the second one picked up. It's, it's kind of, it's in its third season or it just finished its third season. It's on Netflix. So it all comes out at once. Right. Um, but they just did the third season it's kind of losing a little bit of steam, which is ironic because one of the things that I think is causing it to lose steam is that they get into steampunk. Okay. Um, but it's okay. And I think, like I said, King Zog, I think is one of John DiMaggio's best cartoon performances ever. He's Hmm. so good in that. Anyway, that's what I watched for now. I watched something else, something else rather, but I'll get to that next week. Oh, okay. What do you want to talk about? Okay, well, I had an idea for huh. something that I kind of don't even like that much. <laughs> okay. Okay, so a new Scooby-Doo series. You know, they, mm. they, they come out one after another. Here's my premise for a new one. All right. It's Penn and Teller and Scooby-Doo. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, no Fred or Daphne or Velma. Instead, it's Penn, Teller, Shaggy, and Scooby. And... Okay. uh so Penn and Teller uh, would be consultants for the series in order to make sure that the illusions were uh, had some potency to them. Well, I mean, the, when you said that, the first thing I'm thinking of is they walk into a house and there's a ghost and immediately they're like, that's just a projection. Yes. Oh, <laughs> they, they almost do that in the regular show anyway. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, on, the, the regular Scooby-Doo shows asked you to accept, like, oh, they didn't see this pulley on a rope, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas I think they could add some, uh, some more verisimilitude to the illusions. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'd hope that they could get uh, Penn Jillette as doing, doing his own voice. Yeah. 
And then I think it'd be really funny if uh, Teller did voices of other characters in the show. <laughs> that's See, actually that's pretty funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the the premise. Okay, so yeah, they're, they're the. It, it's like the traditional show where there are no real ghosts. It's just bankers and real estate guys and so on that are uh, making hoaxes. Yeah, they want to they want to drive all the customers out of the amusement park so they can buy it and turn it into condos or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you know how sometimes stories will have partnerships where they're frenemies, where the, the partner will be like, uh, I'm going to protect you because I'm the only one that can take your life. That kind of thing. <laughs> OK, sure. Well, in this case, Penn and Teller stick to Shaggy and Scooby because they really want to figure out how Shaggy makes Scooby talk. <laughs> I don't know how he does it. Um, okay. So like, uh, so like Teller's investigating Scooby. He's like skimming his hands above him to feel for the wires. You know, he yeah. opens his mouth and shines a flashlight in there. He's like <laughs> feeling all on his sides, and Scooby's like, "That rickles." <laughs> <laughs> and so that's oh, like that's... that's their ongoing relationship, and they you know make comments like, uh, you know. Your greatest trick is that you eat nonstop and smoke so much pot and stay so thin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. And I thought there'd be like a bit where Shaggy and Scooby get separated with Teller, you know, and they're like running from the ghost and doing stuff. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, in order to communicate with Teller, they're playing charades. And later on, they see Teller whispering in Penn's ear. It's like, what? He could talk this whole time. Yes, but only to me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would there be so you know how scooby-doo would have guest stars yes like batman and robin or the adams family or whatever yeah yeah would like other well-known magicians be the guest stars in this show uh, whoever they could get so like, i would be like like they'd open the door and be like chris angel <laughs> they could i was thinking just like the more of the typical sort of thing except for today so my example i was thinking of was seth rogan Okay, yeah. <laughs> and he's a total passenger for the episode. Like, uh, listen, guys, I got nothing. You know, I can't help that I'm not, uh, think, I'm not contributing that much to this. <laughs> Gosh, I'm thinking, now I'm thinking of the possibilities here. Well, I was thinking. Jay even, and Silent Bob. Sure, sure. I was thinking of going even further on that Seth Rogen, that that would be season two when they needed to push it. So the <laughs> season two would be called Penn and Teller and Scooby-Doo and Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah he's he's like he's a total boob right and he doesn't know anything about anything <laughs> but i think by the end of the uh season by, mm -hmm. by the end of the series um pen and uh seth have gotten addicted to scooby snacks and have put all the weight back on <laughs> oh boy <laughs> but like uh seth rogan would do all the similar things you know like where uh you know, Penn would say, like, all right, we're in a jam. Scooby, would you run out there for two Scooby snacks? What about three Scooby? And, you know, the gag yeah, yeah. where Shaggy goes, like, he, the Scooby snack gets tossed to Scooby's mouth, and then Shaggy appears in front of him and, and intercepts it? Yeah. It'd be layered. So Shaggy come up, but then Seth Rogen would come up in front of him and get it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, Seth Rogen would spaz out. Or I should say spaz. He, he, would, he would freak out, and he would, uh, like, run through the wall or something. <laughs> and, you know, forgetting even that, that guest star, that bonus guest star aspect, I've just thought about various uh, qualities to the show, like, where 
You know how uh, Shaggy and Scooby go full cartoon and will do things like distract the fake ghost by pretending to be waiters? Right. That Penn and Teller would be very impressed by their ability to do this, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, and they would do things like, oh man, there was there was one episode of uh, where, I think Scooby-Doo, or maybe the second one, uh, where they scare off the ghost. They, they inhale... Uh, helium from a hose and then are giant and floating it makes no sense right but if no. Penn and Teller saw it they'd be like clapping like amazing <laughs> I don't know how you do it <laughs> that's actually kind of funny like Penn and Teller in a cartoon world trying to understand how cartoon physics works <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's Man, yeah I mean even outside of Scooby-Doo that's a show that Penn and Teller should make oh what, like how it could actually happen? Well, yeah, like, like if you take, I mean, you know, I'm not dismissing your idea. Like, I like it. But I'm thinking if you, if you took Scooby-Doo out of it and it was yeah. just Penn and Teller, like, you know how they made that? Um, I didn't watch it, but I saw a trailer for it, which is the Trailer Park Boys cartoon. Okay. Which is like, I guess the conceit of it is that they are, they're aware that they've turned into cartoons. All right. I guess if you do Penn and Teller like that, where all of a sudden they're in a cartoon you know, maybe it starts live action and then they fall in a hole or, or they go in like some some seedy magician has like a magic box and he invites them to go into it or whatever. And they come out um, Dungeons and Dragons style and it's in a cartoon <laughs> world. And now Penn and Teller are going through this cartoon like like centaur world kind of thing. But instead of just being annoyed by all the cartoon physics, they're like trying to figure it out, like make sense of it. Hmm. I don't know. I was going to say one of the guest stars could be amazing. Randy, you're thinking <laughs> they should all be cartoon. I'm not even sure if that guy's still alive, but, uh, mm. it, it didn't matter for the, <laughs> for that show though. They just would get, uh, guest star voices to impersonate like, uh, Stan and Ollie and stuff like that. But. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's my whole week. Cool. I, I, I'm dying to get to Spartacus here. Yeah, boy. Okay. This, Hmm. Mm. How do we begin? Well, this is this is a French action adventure from 1985 to 1987, created by Nina Wolmark. There's a good place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And now let's start recapping episodes. So this is going to be kind of a mess because, like I said, we had different. We were given different information as to what the order of the episodes are. I think we figured it out. So let's give some synopsises of some episodes. We know that the first one is called The City of Arcadia. Mm. Also, neither one of us was able to find this episode in English. We could only find the French version with what seemed to be fan translated subtitles. <laughs> and so, Cyrillic subtitles, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let me synopsize the first episode, The City of Arcadia. This this is definitely the first episode because it seems to be the only episode that has any continuity to it. Hmm. All right. Here's the deal. We start on a beach with a teenager named Matt, and he's heading to a cave to explore, being chased by his little sister, Rebecca. Matt belongs to the cave, not realizing that Rebecca is following along, until he finds her paddling along an underground river in a little inflatable boat that came out of nowhere. She believes in the people who live underground, and he is dismissive, and quite foolishly allows her to continue on her own. And 
As she goes down the river, she is spotted in, from the distance by a mysterious man. When Matt finally becomes responsible enough to go looking for her, he seems to attract the attention of a weird submarine, which launches a small flying craft piloted by a buffoon. The little airship startles Rebecca enough that she falls into the water, and she is rescued by the stranger. He leaves her unconscious body on the shore and absconds before he can be spotted by a pair of weird pangolin-like creatures we later will learn are named Bick and Back. The two creatures summon Terig, which is an intelligent sort of hovercraft thing, and its pilot, a woman named Arcana. She mm. uses telekinetic powers to bring Rebecca aboard Terig, where Rebecca wakes up, and they are soon joined by Matt, all while being watched by the stranger and by the pilots of the submarine from earlier. Arcana explains the backstory here. She is a messenger from the city of Arcadia, which is at the center of the Earth. Long, long ago, a great cataclysm on the surface of the Earth sank all of the continents, and the survivors from the city of Arcadia settled at the center of the Earth, where the city has flourished since then. And its citizens have forgotten their history on the surface because that information was hidden from them by their ancestors. They believe that life on the surface of the planet is a myth, their only ties to the past being a metal called orosite, and the living machine Terig. They survive through the power of a magical sun called the Terra, but the Terra is dying and is apt to explode and destroy the whole planet. In a desperate attempt to find an answer, some children snuck into the Forbidden Archives and learned the truth about their past on the surface, and using this information, they created a copy of the people who lived on the surface, which is Arcana. Arcana then volunteered to travel to the surface to find help. Matt and Rebecca agree to come help, but just then the pilots of the submarine, which turn out to be pirates, launch their attack, intent on capturing Terig and its passengers. The stranger from earlier shows up and pledges his help, and uses his grappling hook to rescue the children and Bick, while Terig, Arcana, and Back are swallowed by the pirate ship. The man identifies himself as Spartacus, and explains that he's always lived in these caves and he knows everything about the underground. He's sure that the pirates will make Arcana into a slave, and they go off to rescue her. At the pirate base, Arcana and the other prisoners watch from a cave as the pirates sing a ridiculous roll call theme song of the sort oh, yeah. that drives me nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It's catchy. Remember it, I said Stone Protector's real sin is that it's catchy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've had this song stuck in my head for a few days now. Um, we'll come back to this song. Uh, at the conclusion of the song, Arcana goes, I'm out, peace, and uses her telekinetic powers to open the cage bars and walk out. <laughs> yeah. Spartacus and the kids arrive as the pirates sound the alarm and scurry around ineffectually. Arcana joins her friends and they all board Terig and abscond. They escape from the pursuing pirates using Terib's, Terig's apparent ability to phase through solid crystal, but in doing so, now they've lost track of the path of rainbow rays from the Terra that leads back to Arcadia. And this is where we end episode one. Yeah. One thing I think you uh, people should know, the Arcadians uh, yeah. have no legs. 
yeah, they have bottoms like I I was trying to think of what they were like and I decided on you know those like inflatable clown punching bag things? Yes. They're kind of like that. Yeah, I was curious how they moved in a later episode it shows they actually float. Yeah. I also I also didn't talk enough about the pirates because yeah. you might think that they're just people, but they are cartoons. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't know how to describe them. They're well, okay. They're, they're like, they're, go ahead. Yeah. They're, they're squat. They're chunky. They have big heads, homohawks. They look now I've warned our stalkers that I am going to reference stop the smoggies a lot. Mm. These look like the descendants of the smoggies. Yes. I thought, I thought of the smoggies a lot while I was watching this, but I tried to think of something more mainstream than the smoggies to, okay to um, equate them to. And I decided on, imagine if there were punk rock themed mad agents from Inspector Gadget that were less effective villains than Jesse and James from Pokemon. You know, it's funny. Hmm. Okay. So this has the paradigm of bad people don't look good, right? Because Spartacus and Arcana are, and, and Matt uh, are realistically proportioned. They're, you know, they're yeah. lithe and lean mm-hmm. and the pirates are all squat and silly looking with big feet and stupid faces. Yeah. It's like if you had a serious action adventure cartoon like a, a, a Batman or Gargoyles, but the villains were mad agents. It doesn't really bother me that they it, I mean, I think it's fine. They're, they're the comic relief and so yeah. easily identified as the comic relief. Yeah. Whimsically, I like to think that. This is uh, the destiny of Matt, Matt and Rebecca, that mm. when they grow up, this is how they're going to mature. <laughs> they're going to fill out everywhere, their bellies, their heads, and so on. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, in the, in the interest of keeping this thing going, let's go on to episode two. And now this is where we started to get a little mixed up. Well, you go ahead. So, between two worlds. So, it begins in Arcadia. And the gate to their archives have rusted shut. The children seek an answer to fix this, and while they're thinking, they observe a hungry silk snail. Meanwhile, the crew of the Terrig relaxes. Matt takes manual control of the ship for practice, but Rebecca distracts him, and the ship is sucked by an eddy. The current sweeps Terrig, not only to a different place, but through a gateway of time, I guess. Well, my the way I understand this is that the conceit is that as you go deeper through the earth, there are different strata, they call them, which each have their own civilization. Yes, but they mentioned that they're traveling like through a river of time. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I've read, too, that the Terrig can travel through time, which, if you think about it, really makes you wonder (laughs) about the whole stakes of this adventure but anyway yeah, yeah. it it travels through time in a weird way and this is how it is There's, so this is called between two worlds mm-hmm. where they end up is uh a seaside with a community of kind of uh primitive people that um revere a sea monster and they sacrifice shellfish called corum in order to appease the beast and its toxic breath Hasn't been working so well because they've had to abandon uh, stilt built communities one after another. So the spirit itself 
turns out to be a giant metal tentacle that comes from the sky, or what would be the sky here, I guess. Arcana saves a drowning prince of that civilization with her telekinesis, and the group hears a legend from the prince of this beast, so Spartacus and the crew decide to investigate. They travel upward the tentacle, and they discover that it's metal, and so they cut away into it. This structure is a drilling arm that leads way up to a base on another strata. They use the shellfish corum as an energy source. <laughs> the, the technologically advanced operators are unaware of their effect on the civilization below. Knowing that they have an intruder, the station operators set explosives in order to find uh, the foreign body. But one of those um, explosive setters is knocked over a rail by the entry of Spartacus and the crew. He rescues him, and now that they've learned of each other, they hurriedly stop the countdown before the explosion can harm Tarig. What kind of maintenance system involves using explosives to blow open your equipment? Uh, <laughs> I guess the access hatch was too far away. <laughs> so, and, and I think rather needlessly, they stop the uh, countdown at one. Yeah. But, um, so the heroes benefit from gaining access to the base's maps in order to find their way back to the path to Arcadia. And these, uh, miners, these drillers agree to reach an agreement with the lagoon people so that they can keep getting their power source without endangering them. Meanwhile, back in Arcadia, the legless children employ a bunch of those voracious silk snails they've found in order to eat away at the rust that has shut the gate to the archive. And that's through a process, as, as you quite enjoyed, known as vegetalization. Is it? I thought that was Isn't in that later episode. Oh, is it, is it? Is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're getting um, ahead of us. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so... That's the show. It's pretty simple, this, this episode. Yeah, I don't think you even mentioned the pirates... Because oh they yeah they're there nothing. but they don't matter <laughs> yeah they're they're like trying to I don't know they're cutting open the one of the tentacles for unknown reasons yeah like they're they're just clowning basically in this episode yeah they're they're in every episode I guess to in order to be stupid well yeah um, so yeah I've already mentioned that I don't really understand the time travel in this show I think it's it's just something they mention in order to put whatever they want in an episode yeah. In the first episode, there's a really dubious line where Matt sort of mentions that time, like geological time works differently. So they're okay with going on this trip to the center of the earth because if, once they get back, no time will have passed on the surface. Huh. Makes me wonder. Yeah. They never mentioned a family or anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, this is this is way after an apocalypse and they're kind of, I don't know. I don't know what kind of world they live in seems I would to be one just ours cities. is it hmm. i mean they do mention new york at one point yeah but like as a history thing hmm as a point of history anyway no they said um, it looks like a skyline of new york or whatever i don't know yeah i just uh, assumed it was modern day huh they dress like it anyway yeah um i'll say for another thing arcana's esp can do anything when the show calls for it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess we'll get into it later. I, th I think it's a bit of a problem in the show. Okay. Uh, another funny thing. 
Now, <laughs> I say this with the the idea that I thought there'd be another episode between this, but there's not a lot of action in the show, but it does design cool suits for stormtroopers, if you will. <laughs> like w when the uh, the drilling uh, crew goes to investigate inside, they have some pretty neat outfits on. Yeah. And that's going to be a recurring thing in this show. Oh, okay. I will take your word for it because that wasn't in the other episodes that I watched. Okay. So I think, uh, I think I jumped to talking about Arcana and the Beast now, right? Yeah, this is episode three, Arcana and the Beast. Although the French title of it is Thought. T-H-O-T. <laughs> Thought. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is what we're talking about. The crew finds a wilderness with trees and noisy animals. And its own uh, sun. Yeah. What are the rules here? I don't know. Um, so some tracks suggest a giant threat with tank treads, which for some reason Spartacus takes as an animal, but he's kind of half right. An armored tank with a metal crab claw arm shows up, but it's also got mollusk pink like uh, mollusk like pink flesh that exudes from uh, ports of it. Yeah, it's, like, a, it's yeah. like if an octopus was inside a crane. Yeah, which is a good monster, I think. Sure. Uh, it threatens the crew, and they're saved by a monstrous, giant, screaming orange humanoid. When it destroys the tank, it takes an unconscious arcana with it. The group follows uh, to rescue her, and Sleaze Appeal and Mighty Max, two spying pirates, also sneak after them. It's Mighty Matt. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. So uh, we had Mighty uh, Max a couple of weeks ago. Yes. And now we have Nasty Max and Mighty yes. Matt, which leads me to wonder, is there a Nasty Matt somewhere? And is it me? <laughs> oh, yes. Only on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, the monster takes refuge in its lair, which is apparently the ruins of New York City. Or a city of some kind. That's oh, New York City. <laughs> um. When it gathers food for her, Spartacus wounds the monster, giving them a trail of blood to follow. It gets back to Arcana, and they get into a limited communication, the beast and her. She learns that its name is Tot. Tot has a childlike manner and keeps a department store mannequin as a doll. And perhaps it knows something about the fate of New York? It's then that Arcana protects Tot from Spartacus's ambush. The group rescues the Arcadian messenger while Tot is engaged against Terig, and they modify a mannequin to look like Arcana in order to please the gentle giant in her absence. They don't even modify the a mannequin. It's just Arcana's multifunctional ESP makes one out of nowhere and then turns it to, into looking like her. Well, true enough. <laughs> yeah, so that's just another evidence of your her power doing whatever is necessary. Yes, yeah. Um, in the end, Tot is harassed by, by the pirates and their flying mini sharks. So earlier he saved them from that monster, just like King Kong does the dinosaur and uh, the beginning of King Kong. This yep. is like to complete the illusion to King Kong. Yeah. Yeah. He drives them off anyway. And he's, he seems to be pretty pleased. No yes. longer lonely, but yeah. Tot, he, he looks like something out of like the Herculoids, this mm. kind of monster. And I think it's funny, There's, they twice used this animation where he's looking this way and that, and then he looks directly to the camera. 
And with his funky teeth, he makes me think of Beavis and Butthead. (laughs) (laughs) He looks like a creature that should have fur, but the animators didn't want to bother drawing it. Yeah. And he screams so much. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a weird episode. Like, what a weird show this is turning into. It is. It is. I I guess I can save it then talking about the characters overall. Um and I, I don't think the premise is bad that they're kind of, as you say, they're going to different strata and finding remnants of civilizations. Yeah. Sometimes I think that they, or well, all the time, really, they don't give a real good sense of place, like that I'm going from here to there or where I am exactly. Yeah, I guess you have to kind of like, they don't explain it well. The no. idea that you're traveling if, so, if they said at one point, like, oh, there's so many different stratas and they're all have different civilizations or whatever, they don't even really explain how they got lost. You have to kind of extrapolate that for yourself. I would like to see like a map, you know, yeah, like, like, you know, that demonstrates where it is or where it was. That would have been nice. Yeah. Where the, where the journeys of the Terrig. I guess, and yeah, I, think- I guess just the idea, you know, the concept of this show being going through all these different levels, each one is a different sort of environment that's yeah. never explicitly explained. Well, plus a lot of them look like they have skies, like you say, right? Yeah. And I think a funny thing is that, uh, Arcana tra- and Bick and back travel from Arcadia almost all the way to the surface. How long did that take? And they had no adventures along the way. It's just that I guess the introduction of being chased by pirates is well, what flushes them into these different places. Well, I wondered that too. And then I, I realized what it is, is when they first left Arcadia, they were going along this path of yeah. rainbow rays from yes. the Terra. And yeah. in the first episode, they were going towards those rainbow rays when they were um, apprehended by the pirates. Mm. And so I think the idea is that there is that path to Arcadia that they followed uneventfully, but they've lost it because the pirates interfered. Hmm. The general premise, I don't really understand anyway. Yeah. So like their, their son, they live, actually I looked look this up. They, uh, Arcadia is in, uh, what is called an Alderson disc. So it's mm. like a flat, uh, realm that's got half of uh, like a hemisphere of a sun in the center of it. Yeah. So it's dying out and they were going to travel to the surface in order to find an answer, but now they're going back and I don't think they found an answer. Yeah. It's just, they've got these two kids who will help. Yeah. So I don't really understand the premise of the show in that respect. I guess we have to skip to the last episode and see how it's resolved. (laughs) Why don't we skip to the, uh, the fourth episode, the true fourth episode. <laughs> ah, I have not seen this one, so I'm waiting to hear about yeah, it. Yeah, the Pirate Club. Club spelled with a K. Mm. I am, man, I'm so, I was so looking forward to hearing you talk about this episode because, man, if you didn't know what this show was now, mm. this sh- episode is going to throw you for a complete loop. <laughs> okay. Here we go. The, the crew of the Terrig finds that they've been going in circles, always coming back to the same sea. But Spartacus knows of a passage to the traders strata where caravans go through and they might be able to get directions back to Arcadia. 
But the path that Terrig can fit through is blocked by a rock that Terrig's tractor beam is not strong enough to move. While pondering the situation, the crew spots the pirate's ship. And Spartacus wonders if such a larger ship might have the ability to move or destroy the rock. The pirates, it turns out, are on vacation. Hmm. And they give us a second helping of their roll call song in yes. English. Oh, okay. Well, now I have to see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> okay, here's where we go <laughs> off the rails. And we'll share that with you soccers too. We'll yeah. find a way to give you that pirate we'll song. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> okay, here's where we go off the rails. The pirates set up a gigantic inflatable island complete with inflatable palm trees and rocks and lagoon and everything. Hmm. And the Terrig crew starts to ponder the opportunity to steal the pirate's ship. It turns out that the pirates are preparing for the pirate games and all various factions of pirates from all over the strata are going to converge on this inflated island for an Olympic style athletic competition hosted hey, this, by mass this sounds media better and better is <laughs> hosted by yeah. mass media have we actually <laughs> introduced the pirates there's well briefly nasty max is kind of the leader yep and mighty matt is kind of an oaf yep and sleaze appeal uh is charismatic maybe mm, he likes to think he's the classy one i guess and mass media is their Uhura. She talks on the radio. Yeah, she's she's you know, she's kind of ahead of her time, actually. She's like a TikToker or a live streamer. Yeah. Uh, she runs the Pirates radio station Fi Pirate. She's way better in French, I think. Mm, yeah. Oh, for sure. Oh, you'll, you'll listen to her in this episode, man. Boy, mm. boy. She sounds like she sounds like Harley Quinn. OK. So. Matt and Rebecca, along with Bick and Back, plot to create a diversion while Arcana and Spartacus board the pirate ship. The first event in the pirate games is electing the pirate games queen. And the first uh, contestant is Mass Media. And Nasty Max decides that the applause was enough that they don't have to go through any other competition. She's won. Okay. <laughs> and the obvious fixed nature of this election leads Matt to worry that they won't have time to let Spartacus and Arcana steal the ship if all the events are that fixed. But Rebecca has a plan. Whew. I'm already excited that Rebecca's going to do something. Well, the next event involves one faction of pirates. I think it's the Brigands of the Fjords dressing up as dragons and blocking... <laughs> Some other pirates dressed as a sword and shield from, <laughs> from getting across a bridge over water. Remember, this is all inflated. Yeah. Um, where they're trying to block these other pirates from saving the pirate queen by knocking them off the bridge and into the water. <laughs> Okay. I was, oh my God, I was, it's just it's like a Japanese just, game show. So I, 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 I rewatched this episode to write up a little synopsis because, because, you know, I didn't know I was going to have to, I thought this was going to be Micah's. Yeah. Um, so, and just watching through it, I just kept laughing at, I, at the things that I was going to have to explain. <laughs> so 
they're looking for more contestants. Who else is going to help save the pirate queen? And <laughs> Matt, Rebecca, and Bickenback all show up wearing a triple scoop, triple scoop ice cream cone <laughs> costume <laughs> with like with like Matt in the cone, yeah. Rebecca in the middle scoop, and then Bick and Back are the two side scoops because it's not like triple high; okay. it's triple wide. Okay. And so they show up to fight the dragons and prolong the event while Spartacus and Arcana keep working on the ship. Eventually, a riot breaks out between all the pirate factions, and in the commotion, Matt and Rebecca and Bickenback escape. Spartacus and Arcana start driving the ship away. They claim that they've broken the mooring, but they haven't, because they start jostling and pulling the inflatable island and you know, making it rock and wobble and weave all over the place and mm. finally unplug it and make it like, you know, balloon away, like okay. off into the distance with all the pirates still aboard it. Yeah. And then the pirate ship turns out can move the boulder and then they continue on their way. And that's the end. They give them back their pirate ship. eh? No, they leave it sunk. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the real pirate? <laughs> oh yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> what is this show? <laughs> I'm going to offset this too. Um, so this show, I, I think last week I said Americans might not be familiar with it. It actually aired on Nickelodeon. So you know, people of our age probably are aware of it. Maybe even more so than us. Um, mm. and you know, you'd said it was on our, <laughs> one of our stations, YTV, and then it, it, it kind of, uh, disappeared. It like, you know, it, that station gained some prominence and, and got, once, uh, once they earned enough quotes, money, better, yeah, once they earned money. enough money to buy better shows, they, yeah, you know, siphoned off the cheaper ones. So this would have been. I think for a while it was on Sunday and maybe even then I was still going to church. So I'd miss it most of the time. Mm. And then much later on, it was like at 5 AM. Yeah. So I've only seen a handful of episodes of this. The mm. first one that I saw, I thought was the first episode because it has Spartacus's origin. Oh yeah. Okay. I had never seen an episode or at least a part of an episode that had the goofy pirates in it. <laughs> Spartacus's origin is that he's like from uh, some desert nomads and they get massacred by a squad of soldiers oh, and he gets, yeah, he gets kid, he gets, you know, kidnapped like uh, our regular legend of Spartacus and made to arena fight. Hmm. And like, it's so grim. They have uh, guns, the, the, the soldiers that kill all his people and their pack animals. Um, and they fire black pellets and it's just like they leave just black holes, little holes in them that remember we were saying that the, the, the bloodless knife into uh, Ketamono in, in a prior review is more scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just seeing all these people and pack animals just like fall over with holes in them. Ugh. Yeah. Freaky. And he, he fights for his freedom. And if you saw in the end credits, I think it's those guys that have like helmets and weird arm accessories. Oh, it's kind of right. The, yeah. 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 Okay. So I saw that episode and I saw another one that had like, it was in the snow and there was a fearsome warlord that had a terrible mask. And 
man, if you just sample the show randomly, you can get that that idea like, oh, well, Bick and Back are kind of silly, I guess, but this show is dark and, you know, it's it's 70s sci-fi evil as heck. Mm-hmm. But uh, apparently there's the Pirate Club as well. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, this episode, this episode had me just throwing my hands up and going, what, what am I even watching anymore? Uh, well, I'll be sure to check it out. Um, yeah, the- I'd be interested in hearing what you... <laughs> <laughs> so the episode that Matsy did not watch and I mistakenly watched, maybe, maybe mm. it's supposed to be episode five, but this, the playlist I was watching had it as episode two. The episode, the, living, the, the playlist yeah. that I have initially found had it as episode, well, it had it as episode two, but it also didn't have episode one. So it was the yeah. first episode. It, well, the thing is, it makes sense because at the beginning of, ep- or, the, or the end of episode one, they escape by having the Terrig uh, phase through a crystal. Yeah. And this takes place in a crystal sea. So anyway, it's, it's called the living crystal. And the, the crew of the Terrig are navigating a realm of crystal that shifts like sea waves. Spartacus, Matt and Bick find a way through a tight chamber that their, their ship can go through. Tarek goes through it, and then, as is their habit, the pirates come up short in pursuit, with Nasty Max crashing his mini shark fighter craft. So the new environment they're in disables the Tarig by giving it a coating of crystal. Luckily, a scientist named Galileo Galilee spots the ship, and his probe guides it uh, to land in his home of the living crystal. As Galileo hosts his guests, he, he is, by, way, by the way, an astronomer, um, they confirm that the Earth is not the center of the universe, that in <laughs> fact, it's a, pl- I know, it's a planet that circles a sun. This is kind of like Galileo's got theories and he's, he's sort of like, I knew it, right? Um, so he shows them that his telescopes got a view of the Arcadia star. But as he's doing that, the Inquisitors show up. These guys are a triumvirate of blue meanies, like from the uh, uh, Beatles movie. Yellow submarine. Yeah. Um, they arrive with soldiers to capture the heroes. So yeah, on, on the Living Crystal, most everybody's got blue hair, but their leaders have full-on blue skin, blue everything. The Inquisition interrogates each member of the crew and attempts to assert their own narrow beliefs that they couldn't have come from outside the crystal and instead are beings that were fossilized and preserved during the cataclysm. They attempt to reprogram Rebecca, but Galileo helps her escape. Spartacus and Arcana themselves have already subdued the guards to make their escape. Galileo at first leaves with the group to go on their journey because his home is wherever science is. (laughs) But when... At a distance, he sees that the living crystal settlement turns. He hangs onto his probe and drifts back to it so that he can proselytize the scientific truth. And that's that episode. So Hmm. a little weird, right? Seems like. I wonder if they're trying to draw from various points in history here, because like 
you know, well, I mean, history, both real and fictional, because, yes. you know, you had the, the King Kong thing earlier. You had um, Spartacus. Uh, here's Galileo right. doing what Galileo hmm. does. I don't know if there's a word for it, but it's this. This is a uh, series from the 80s, but it really feels like a series from the 70s, doesn't it? Well, and. Hmm? Yes. And I wonder if that's just the cultural difference between the Reagan era United States and France. Oh, yeah. And I can visually this looks to me like somebody that would have been uh, inspired by um, Mobius, the like, super famous, prolific uh, French comic maker. Oh, but I guess I don't know if there's a name from the genre, but it's sort of like. A sci-fi, like sci-fi has, uh, or sci fantasy, I guess, has melded its way into all history, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah. So that Galileo and the Inquisition are all happening on this crystal in the middle of the earth, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so weird. Like, it's like I, I said before, what is this show? I think it's a show yeah. that hasn't the ability fully to tell the story it wants to tell. Hmm. Or maybe it was just a concept of what if we travel through an area and there's a whole bunch of different, you know, like, like an excuse for these people to go on these adventures through different societies. Like each one, like this one's people in water. This one's people in crystal, like, like just different societies. And like, that was the whole point of the show. Just the journey. Yeah, it's at times pretty cool, mm -hmm. and yet just doesn't spend the time in the right way, in my opinion. Yeah. So, well, for example, that you never have a concept of place no. in this show. Um, and I think they should have spent more time with that. And the other thing I think is they don't build their heroes right. So uh, the French title is like, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Le Monde Englouti. Yeah, it's like. The engulfed world, I think, is how it um, yeah. translates. So I don't know if Spartacus is meant to be a definite main character of the show. But the show doesn't do him any favors. Yeah. Like, he should be cool. He should do things that are cool. And for the most part, he doesn't. For the most part, everybody is a passenger, except for when Arcana busts out her, uh, her head beams in order to <laughs> do whatever they need done. Yeah, he's kind of just the adult. Like, he's not like yeah. he's an exceptional adult. He's just the one who happens to be big enough to do responsible things. Yeah. But he's got a, uh, an arm. He's got a bracelet that fires darts and grappling hooks and stuff. He should be doing cooler stuff. Yeah. And I think Matt should be doing cooler stuff. And I think Rebecca, the, the first episode sets her up where she's like irrepressible and that she's like a true believer. Mm-hmm. And then she's mostly just a crying weenie in the rest of the episodes. A little bit. Like in the, in the um, Arcana and the Beast, mm. she, <laughs> there was this really awkward moment where, you know, they're like, oh, we're going to chase down this creature that's got Arcana and we're going to get Arcana back. And Spartacus is like, if I go to that building, I can snipe him from afar. And then, then, then after he's already climbing up and all of this is underway, Rebecca just kind of offhand goes, Maybe the monster is not as bad as he looks. Where did that come from? <laughs> well, she did witness the whole thing. 
earlier. And she actually did phrase it in such a way where uh, she wasn't like alluding to that it was going to harm Arcana. Well, she was re- pretty scared. Like, yeah. Also, <laughs> funny thing I noticed uh, when they are cornered by the crane octopus, mm. Arcana generates a crystal shield around Rebecca. Mm. And then once Arcana and Tot are gone, Rebecca just walks out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what was holding... Mm. Mm. I don't know. I think this show visually, too, like... Oh, man. France has, like, a long history of, of uh, love for comics and animation. Yeah. And today... France is, you know, a big contributor to things like uh, uh, Avatar. Yeah, yeah. And s- some really sophisticated-looking stuff. Mm-hmm. We, especially as Canadians, have gotten to see this journey <laughs> of French <laughs> cartoons. Yeah. That kind of look like this. And this, hmm, I would say that it looks not quite professional, the character designs. Not really, but I almost find yet, that quaint. Ooh, I, I can see how they'd be good too, but man, it's just, uh, there's not the animation muscle to yeah, pull it off. Yeah. Arcana's face fascinates me. There's yeah, something her about her eyes. Like there's yeah. something about her eyes that I just loved looking at. I also like, oh, yeah. like I noticed right away, like <laughs> they gave her this headdress that goes mm. down instead of hair. It goes down like, it passed her jawline like hair would, mm. but mm. because it's not flexible like hair, they had to give her an extra long neck to make her head fit. Hey. <laughs> it looks weird, but her, mm. like her eyes and her face, it's weird. I'll, I'll probably tweet some pictures of her, but it, it, for some reason it, it looks like a bad drawing, but in yes. a way that's kind of compelling. And I don't know why. Yeah. And boy, I like, uh, Especially in sci-fi kind of stuff, the pristine white clothing of some characters. Yeah, she's wearing a Storm from X-Men style cape. Yeah, yeah. Do you think she has hair? Because she's made from a mineral, (laughs) so I'm not sure. Well, she's also made in the... She's made of mineral and plant, I guess. But she's made in the image of the surface dwellers. Yeah, it's it's weird. She eats the food that Tot brought her. Ravenously. Yeah. She doesn't put on an environmental suit when everyone else does in the uh, Between Two Worlds. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> what are her rules? I don't know. But she's, yeah, I agree. She's fun to look at. And I think they're all pretty good designs, but I think they're hard designs to animate. Yeah. Like, Amanda has a flower bell-shaped hair. Uh, Rebecca? Sorry, no, I'm, yeah. I, I, Rebecca does, which I mean to allude that uh, Amanda from Little Witch Academia has that too. Oh. And I really like it. But it's so hard to animate that. I just kept and thinking think, about the sun tots the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's mean. <laughs> and I don't mind the way the pirates look either. They're, I mean, they, they, they're different they from the stupid. rest of the show, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, I don't. This show is not what I thought it was, you know, no. from the bits that I saw of it as a child. Well, obviously me too, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I I want to like the show because it's so weird. It's such like a deep cut and, and you know, like it's, it's at this point, it's almost lost media. It's yeah. the English stuff. 
Um, I would prefer to watch it in French anyway. Like I've, I've said before that I like my anime uh, uh, subbed rather than dubbed. And I had the same thing with this. Like the voice acting in this is so bad. Oh, sometimes it's hard to understand. Yeah. And I've, this seems to happen in, I mean, I've seen another French cartoon. I think it's called the crumpets. And I, I was able to tell just from watching it that it was not, I didn't know it was French at first, but just as I was listening to it, I was like, this is not English. And I went and looked, mm. it's like, oh yeah, it's French. Um, oh, that uh, reminds me, we should make some notes about translation here. Oh, what? Like name changes and stuff? A little bit. Um, the, the, teenage, shag shag. <laughs> the teenage guy is named Bob in the French version. They uh. renamed him Matt. I don't know why they would rename him Matt, especially when there is already another character named Matt in the show. Yes. Except I guess Matt is a cool name. (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) Um, Bob is kind of harsh, I guess. But yeah, Bob. Bob. Um, Bob. The the son that the Arcadians have is called the Shagma. And everything in their society incorporates the name Shag. The Terig is the Shag Shag. It has little... Mm. um, cleaning drones called shaggies the Mm. characters i think the children are named like shangor and shagma or something like that shagma or something like that um shag everywhere (laughs) and when it turned out that they were going to have to translate that for britain Mm. they was like okay we can't use the word shag because if you've seen austin powers you know that shag is a dirty word in britain (laughs) it's everywhere in the show yeah. Shagma, shag, shag, shagmir. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so they're like, um, Terra. Terra. I think Terra. that's an improvement, actually. Terra and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What this, what this show ends up being is most notable for its awesome theme song. Yeah, but you know what? Hmm. Even listening to the English, like, if you're just listening to the sound of it, it sounds yeah. awesome. But yes. if you actually listen to the English lyrics, they're pretty bad. Yes. Oh, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. A lot of things are like that, right? Yeah. Well, they're 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 direct about what you're watching, but they make little sense because they're telling you all these weird names and stuff. But also it's like I guess it's translating directly from the French lyrics, and so the rhythm mm. of it doesn't quite work. Like there's one line that's like Matt and Rebecca believe Arcana. Like that the flow okay. of those syllables doesn't work. And also that sentence is dumb. But, I mean, if you're just listening to it without paying attention to the lyrics, it's an awesome song. Oh, really awesome. Here's the thing, though. Did you know there's a second theme to this? I did. Yes, done by Menudo. I haven't heard it, but I am aware of it. Uh, I listened to it a bit, and then I stopped right away. I think, like, oh, this is (laughs) (laughs) god-awful. Then I, I, as uh, our recording time approached, I decided, okay, I'm going to listen to this so I can be informed yeah it's not that bad okay. but it's not as good okay it's serious kids bop <laughs> kids bop on two cassettes kind of quality oh boy sounds like yeah. i've got four songs that i need to tweet yeah you youngins menudo is like a boy band that had ricky martin in it <laughs> anything this else is, well <laughs> this was weird this is an adventure this was like almost sight unseen for us. Yeah. Oh, I guess, I guess I got another thing. Uh, the creator of this Nina Walmart, she has her fingerprints on Ulysses 31 and 
and the mysterious cities of gold. <laughs> uh, I've seen, I only watched the first episode of Ulysses 31, but it's something I want to watch more of. Okay. It's, I guess it's kind of like this in that it's uh, the, the, the Greek epic of Ulysses, but set to outer space. <laughs> and mysterious cities of gold is about like uh, finding uh, the Incan, like finding El Dorado, I guess. De gold. Yes, de gold. Um, I guess her real hallmark is making series that are loved everywhere except the English-speaking world. <laughs> but I wouldn't mind checking these out at some time. Yeah. Well, we got lots of episodes left to record. <laughs> Speaking of which, what are we going to record next week? Well, I'll tell uh, you. Okay, please do. Yeah. Um. I think this was a Micah idea, which is yeah. uh, we're going to watch our favorite episodes of a cartoon, I guess. Is it one cartoon? I hope it is because I only have one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> give me it and then I'll tell you mine. <laughs> OK, my favorite episode. I want you to watch my favorite episode of The Tick. All right. And that episode is called The Tick versus The Tick. Oh, okay. It could have been that or The Tick versus The Mustache, right? Uh, Dinosaur Neil. That was actually the first one that I looked at. And I was like, is this oh, okay. the one? And I was like, yeah. eh, maybe. But then I remembered the other, some uh, something specific about the other one. And I was like, oh, 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 what episode is that? Uh, uh, uh. And then I went and found it and I was like, yes, this one, this is the one. It's a good one. Yeah. Okay. I'll check that out. Okay. Now I had a quandary too, between uh, two episodes, which is my favorite. Now this show has what we've uh, encountered many times on animation celery. It's a show that has two vignettes together. Okay. So what I did is I cheated. I made the ultimate episode with half of one and half of the other. <laughs> okay. So, mm, all right. I will allow it. Okay. So I've given you Steven Universe. Oh. And the, yeah. And the, I think you haven't watched much of it, right? I, I've watched the first few episodes. This is a show. It's, it's an, it's a weird, obvious hole. As someone who claims to be a connoisseur of all the great modern cartoons, this is one that's a big hole in my repertoire. I have not watched enough Steven Universe to be knowledgeable of it. Well, I don't think it matters. Okay. And I think you just go with the flow. And, and also, I think there's also um, uh, useful uh, fodder for discussion when you're coming at it with some gaps. Okay. So, the one part I want you to watch is... Giant woman. <laughs> okay. And the other part is shirt club. All right. So Groovy. you're going to watch the tick, the tick versus the tick. <laughs> and I'm going to watch Steven universe, giant woman and shirt club. Yeah. All right. That sounds reasonable. So with that said, I guess it's time to go. Uh, until next time, please get in touch with us and let us know everything. Let us know what you think of this. Let us know what you think we should watch. Um, tell everybody, you know, about this podcast, just, you know, go nuts 
talking about animation celery to us or to others in any way you want. I'm Matsy. No, I'm not Matsy. I am Matsy, but my Twitter handle is ACMatsy. You could tweet at that. Yeah. And for me, I am Micah, and my Twitter is at DrabSwatch. Now, to complete thy damnation, plunge the accursed Athame and encant the Celery Stalker slogan. So watch out for that Second in command I'm a bad sea rat Don't make funny jokes I am nasty max Leader on this coast Don't make no one's cracks I'm the one to watch I'm sleazy Phil I'm the one who knows Cause I'm here for real Looking at the treasure Is my true aim That is quite like it is my terrain We're the pirates Upon the high sea We can do such a grand My name, this is not a game. I'm sophisticated, so be the same. 